This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat podcast. I think we're on. I, I, I try and count them, and then whenever I go to make like the little pre-record bit, I type a number, and I'm like, mm, mm, I'm not sure. I'm not, I've got it to. Um, I don't know if listeners will know about too much, but they should know because it's a very famous name. But Casey Neistat is a big uh, like YouTuber. Um, he did like a daily vlog where he's done like 500 daily episodes. And the running theme was is that he would put a vlog number 257, but always get it wrong. And like the amount of comments left, like it's not that, it's not that number. <laughs> it's so frustrating. And I'm so worried now that people are going to think that this isn't, I think it's episode seven. I'm pretty sure it's episode seven. Um, but uh, as always, I'm joined by our fabulous uh, guest this evening. First of all, Sophie, how are we? It was lovely to see you last week. How it was we? fantastic to see you both in uh, Blighty. It was wonderful. Mm. I'm sure we'll touch on that just a little bit. And also, I'm crap at numbers, so I stopped numbering our episodes a very long time ago. Mm. I have Magic Mike do my maths for me. Every day. <laughs> yeah, don't trust him. <laughs> don't trust him to do that. No, obviously, yeah, it's easier with like the daily morning shows because... You know, they're every day. But when you do it once a week, you're like, oh, what was it? We've been doing this for seven weeks now, like nearly two months. So, yeah, amazing. Uh, speaking of people that I saw recently, Owen, how are we? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. Yeah, no, it's a. Uh, do you want to know what that lunch that we all went on? I'm sure everybody has seen the pictures on Twitter <laughs> of uh, the, the heavyweight lunch, um, not just in terms of uh, body, oh, mass, <laughs> body mass with myself, you and Mike, but. Um, I love, I love the tagline that was put up by someone during the meal, and it was like, "This is the greatest podcast that will never be heard," and mm. that's exactly what it was. It was, it was, it was great fun to see us both, and obviously everyone else as well. Mm. Um, joining us a little bit late, he, he tried to avoid us talking about London because he's so jealous. Um, but we're also, <laughs> of course, joined by Mister Rush. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Yeah, how about you guys? Very good. You see how short he was with that response because he just doesn't want to hear <laughs> us talk about London at all. <laughs> <laughs> starting a GoFundMe for the doc yeah absolutely no I'm sure we'll get him over at some point he's absolutely going to have to make a trip over to the UK he's got to experience that first Arsenal fixture are you good though you well yeah I'm good I'm good I might actually be doing some courses in London this year so 
Oh, nice. Nice. No excuses then. Uh, you'll have to go over for one of the games. Absolutely. Um, mm. Of course, we're recording this uh, the day after uh, deadline day, uh, which means this will go out to you a couple of days after it completed and finished. And uh, it was it was a day. Um, it was certainly filled with uh, division and discussion and debates amongst the fan base, the three Ds, if you like, of the Arsenal um, consortium of, of opinions. But uh, in the end, Arsenal up, uh, ended up making three signings overall in the window, bringing in Leandro Trossard, Jakob Kivior, and of course, Jorginho. Uh, I'm going to get my guest thoughts on the window overall. So we'll start with you. Successful, not successful, somewhere in between. Where are we looking at? I mean, I think when you acquire two experienced Premier League players uh, to one of the youngest sides in the Premier League and you are five points clear at the top with a game in hand and every opportunity to win the title, I find that it's a great bit of business. And no matter which way you splice the Jorginho thing, and I couldn't believe the absolute meltdown on the Twitter sphere uh, when it was announced that we were in for him, uh, I just... I find this hard, like 28-year-olds and 31-year-olds now can't play football anymore and they shouldn't be signed and their knees are gone or their legs are gone. Uh, I've learned a lot of lessons in my first 18 months of the Arteta regime. And it's like one of those things where you just have to kind of put your sensible hat on here. And, you know, Tuchel and Mancini would have very differing opinions to Arsenal fans about Jorginho and what he did for the Italian team uh, at the Euros, which, by the way, he destroyed a player who, yes, is going to be the future and maybe hopefully a future midfielder at the Arsenal in Declan Rice. And same with the Champions League. He also brings leadership. Jorginho is one of those players where you haven't really heard anything bad about, right? And we know that Arteta is all about character. And I'll leave the tactical side to you guys. But when it comes to fitting into the culture, being part of a team, meshing well with players, especially at this part of the season. We know Arteta likes to work tight. You know, to bring him in, he knows something. And he knows something because Pep Guardiola was after him, what, two seasons ago? He knows of him through Manchester City. He's had his eye on him. And this whole blaming Adu, uh, and I reference you, Tom, and, and Gunner blog as well. It's like Arteta wanted Jorginho. This is not, you know, Adu just saying, hey, I'm just going to buy someone because I couldn't get, you know, Caicedo. So for me, I think it's a really good window. Trossard has already made an impact. I think he'd be great coming off the bench or deputizing for injury. Uh, we don't know much about Jakob. I saw your breakdown. Suit looks interesting, versatile. We have some, if there's a crisis, we have options maybe for the defensive midfield role outside of uh, Jorginho as well. So uh, I'm really happy. We needed to strengthen the side. I know we've lost some players and they've gone out, but surely most Arsenal fans think our bench is stronger um, at the end of this window. My goodness, I'm just thankful we bought players because after the meltdown, Tom, I don't know what fans would have done if we hadn't have got anyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just a midfielder. If we'd not signed anyone on deadline day, oh my goodness, like, you know, that would have been awful. Like, I can't imagine um, what would have happened. But thankfully, we don't have to worry about that. Um, Owen, I, I don't know if you saw the tweet I put out this afternoon. I kind of was putting together like an Arsenal B team of players mm -hmm. now you can put together. And I include Gabriel Jesus in that because for me, Eddie Nketi is, you know, our number one striker right now. So when Jesus comes back, he's got to fight for his place. And you can put a team together of players that don't necessarily start right now. You've got Turner, Tomiyasu, Holding, Kivio, Tierney, Jorginho, Smith-Rowe, Fabio Vieira, Nelson, Trossard, Gabriel Jesus. I mean, 
that's depth. You can't say that we've not now got depth in this squad. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's it's funny because in a in a sense that the depth thing has sort of snuck up on a lot of people. I think um, until you actually see that displayed in front of you, in front of you, not even that. Our starting eleven with a full bench um, is 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 pretty impressive now when you when you look at it now. And my thoughts on this whole window, Tom. I know you you know that I like a good analogy, okay? And this this is where this is where I sit. And just it's not bikes is fine. Just bear with me. Just bear <laughs> with me, okay? So a few years ago, myself and my partner were obviously um, on the market for purchasing our first home. But as everybody knows in the UK, the housing market went absolutely crazy and it just wasn't viable to go and get the type of house that we wanted for the price that we wanted to pay. Now, did it mean that we had to stay static in the home that we were in, which which was completely unsuitable for us and our our young family at that time? No. What we did was we upgraded to a higher-cost renting house to tie us over until the market settled down, um, which it has now, and we bought our, our house, our family home now. And essentially, that's what I think this transfer window has been for Arsenal. Everybody who's looking at these deals, you know, the money that was going in for Caicedo, the money that was there from uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, you know, just look all around the Premier League in particular. Um, and the market is so inflated. You know, you're talking now 60 plus million for, let's face it, okay, squad players at the minute. Mikhailo Mudrik, I don't think, came in and automatically started above mm. anybody in this side. And I don't think Caicedo did either. So for me, when people are looking and saying, show some ambition and pointing fingers at a do and the ownership and saying, go, these fees were just astronomically insane. And do you want to know what? For once in my life, I'm so happy that the club haven't went and spent money stupidly because something like this, Trossard, Jorginho, for example, everybody has to take into account that we've got 19, is it 18, 19 domestic matches left in the 19 19 in the premier league this season i don't hope that thomas Partey is missing for 19 of those games (laughs) you know so hopefully all fingers crossed that we don't see Jorginho even start a game in the premier league for the for the rest of the season now if you're asking me if you would rather michaelo mudrick and moise moise casero in the long term at arsenal over the players that we have now my answer would probably be yes of course 100%, 100%, but at the price is definitely not. And the caveat I'll put on that as well is that <clears throat> if you're asking me which one of those players do I think is going to have a bigger impact in the dressing room and not on the pitch while it's going towards a title charge in an, in an already youthful squad, Jorginho and Trossard all day for me. So mm. whilst it isn't the top targets, we didn't hit our top targets, it's obvious that it was because that those options just weren't viable and the club thought that those fees were getting astronomical. And for me, I think it's more impressive to see the club walk away and take the flak and have these short-term backup options in place than going ham and doing what Todd Bowley's doing and spending 25% of the entire transfer uh, fund spent in the league. Mm. Yeah, tra- transfer outlay in the league this season, which is just insane. So... Very, if I was described this window as anything, it may be underwhelming but sensible. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's fair, you know, especially because of the expectations and what was built up as expectation when we were putting in 70 plus million pound bids for multiple players during the same window. So, yeah, I can absolutely see why perhaps it's not to the expectation that some people were looking at. Raj, how did you assess the business that we did and didn't do throughout January? Yeah, I mean, I think. 
kind of similar to Owen. It was a smart, calculated window. We were willing to overpay, I think, even for Mikhailo, even for Caicedo, but, you know, to a within a reasonable extent. And so once it got to that point where it wasn't that, then they quickly turned to a contingency plan. And I think that shows great. I think Edu's shown that since the summer now, when things haven't worked out, he has a backup plan and option. So he show, they showed that again uh, this winter. And the other thing is, I think we have to remember, like historically, January windows are extremely, extremely tough windows, right? Regardless of what Chelsea did, complete outlier. Even this is a complete outlier for Arsenal with you know spending 50 million in a January window. And so I think it was Trissard is going to be a great deal. Just we've already seen he's ready to hit the ground running. He's a different profile than Martinelli. Uh, Jorginho, I mean, I mean, what was that video like Cucurella? Like they asked him, who's the smartest player on the Chelsea team? <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> that was brilliant. Brilliant. Right? And, well, and that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, can I still choose him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, but like that's oh, that's an art like, like that's an uh, that, that player right is is a high IQ, high awareness player, which is the same thing people were knocking Lokonga for. But suddenly, like Jorginho is the exact opposite of Sambi in terms of his positional awareness, right? His ability to read danger and the way that we play. It's not like you know you saw these clips of Jorginho like being slow running. How often with you know with this team? Are you seeing the like defensive mids or Partey having to run long distances? Yeah, a few times, right? The whole point here is to, with the press, with the positioning, is to be able to limit that the amount of running you have to do, right? And that's all based on your positional sense. That's all based on being one or two steps ahead. And that's why you see Xhaka and Partey gobbling up these second balls, right? It's not because they're running vigorously. It's the move that they don't make that separates them. And that's why a lot of times with Lokonga, he gets in trouble because he starts tracking these runs that don't matter. That's why Odegaard's yelling at him, like, bro, what are you doing? Like, why are you still, you know, wide on a run when you when Ake's clearly already turned his body? Like, that should be an automatic trigger. El Neni runs around a lot, but a lot of it is kind of pointless running. And so, uh, you know, it's much more about that positional awareness. And that's what Jorginho brings. I think with, with uh, Kivior as well, fits the profile right highly highly versatile high iq player great left foot addresses the left center back need so i think for 50 million overall one it doesn't affect the summer budget which is great but it still gives proper reinforcements for for this window and i think it also shows us the fact that they're wanting to go over you know they're willing to go big for the right player i think it bodes very very well for the summer in going for multiple players right because all the reports we've heard is that they're spending this window, even if it was a Caicedo or a Mudrick, it wouldn't have affected the summer window. So I think they're going to go. Obviously, Rice is, is trying to, going to be the number one option. I think that's pretty clear, right? Mm. And then after that, I think they might go after someone else as well. So I think the funds are there, and now they've saved those funds for, like Owen said, right? You know, buying the house at the right time. Yeah. Tom, um, can I just add one thing about Jorginho as well, is that think about the media and pundits, and we all know that we're a dartboard and they're waiting for us to falter and fall. And no matter what we do, there's always going to be an arc or thread they find where they can criticize the Arsenal. The Jorginho signing blew me away in terms of the response from the, the pundits and from the media. 
like hearing ex-players talk about shrewdness, you players who kind of understand what he brings to the table. Super Kev was talking about him earlier today. You bring up Partey and running, and Kev was like, we saw Partey do that one long run, I think it was, I don't know, was it against Tottenham? Uh, yeah. And and so the response to that signing, to me, has been something that surprised me um, because of the fact of how people feel about us. But at the same time, they took off their, you know, let's kill Arsenal hat and looked at it from the way they should have. And I think that is something that Arsenal fans should find a little bit of comfort in as well, maybe. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, it, I, I saw some of the arguments suggested like, you know, Chelsea can't wait to get rid of this guy. That That's not the case, you know. And I think it was Fabrizio Romano's report in Court Offside that I uh, saw, which said that Chelsea see this as, quote, excellent business. And in my head, I'm going, if you give your city rivals a player that has a direct contribution to them winning the Premier League title, how on earth can that be viewed as excellent business? Was us letting Van Persie go on with a year left on his deal for £24 million to Man United? You know, it's a good fee for a guy with a year left on his deal at that age and that year. Sure, in that context. But to our historical rivals to help them win the title, was that excellent? No, we don't look on it like that. And to be honest, 10 million to Todd Bowley's Chelsea is, is peanuts, you know, at the end of the day. So I, I really don't get that side of the argument. Um, but obviously what we know is that Jorginho can come in and I think provides us with much more quality than we had behind Partey initially. And that's no res- disrespect to El Nini. El Nini's a player, obviously, we know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get a 6 out of 10 every game. And he's very consistent. And he doesn't really put too many feet wrong at all, if any. Um, but Jorginho gives us that different level above him, I think, um, to give us that competition to to Partey that in a season where you're looking for a Premier League title, you know, it's, it's going to be invaluable. And as you mentioned, Raj, the, the Kukurea video where he talks about his intelligence, you know, that in this dressing room is going to be big. There was even quotes today, I think, in The Athletic from Thiago Silva talking about how disappointed he was that Jorginho's gone. So, like clearly the guys in the game might know a little bit about the game. So exactly. um, see those guys, right. You know, high level players. So they're all saying the same thing uh, about Jorginho. So, I mean, 10 plus two, two, if you win the premier league, the add on. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Right. 18 month contract. It's not like, right. It's a long-term deal either. And then last thing, his injury record is like incredible. If you look at his injury record, I think he had four, four injuries, less than two games missed per injury over how many games, like that's a testament to how seriously he takes the game, right? So I think, again, to the points made earlier is that, you know, with Arteta, he, he values that professionalism a lot and he understands how much you need role models on the team. I think George Jorginho fits that bill. Hmm, absolutely. Um, I obviously want to talk about uh, other things related to the window as well. Um, Edu, of course, we've talked about on the on the show before and kind of the stick that he's got previously. Uh, so if this has obviously been another window that we've not got the primary targets that we've gone for. You know, Mudrik, of course, was a priority target and Kaiseda became a priority target. We've not got them. And that has led to some, I think, you know, to an extent, fair criticism of, of Edu. And, you know, when you look at his history at the club, we've been in for a lot of players that we've not got. If in the summer, as we've talked about here, Declan Rice looks to be, you know, the main priority for us in that midfield position. And you're not only going into that summer with that as the, as the case, but you're also going into that summer with Arsenal as either, fingers crossed, Premier League champions, or at least at a minimum, you know, established title challengers and will be expecting to be title challengers again next season. 
there isn't going to be much to defend Edu if with a club of that stature in that kind of situation contextually can't then get its priority target, if you know what I mean. Yeah, sorry, just had to grab the LT. Um, So I find the Adu thing really fascinating. And I think Arsenal fans, some Arsenal fans, haven't learned a lesson from, okay, primary targets, right? Let's go back to Owen's analogy of the house. How many bids do you put in for a house? And do you always get that first house that you find? It's unlikely, right? And one of the things you said, Tom, was maybe Adu has learned his lesson in terms of having a primary, you know, a a primary, secondary, and tertiary uh, target um, for players to come that can that can fit what Arteta wants. Let's go back and rewind a little bit, right? Lissandro Martinez was someone we wanted. Didn't get him. We got Zinchenko. Vlavic, for everything everyone wants to say that we could get him, he didn't want to come to Arsenal, but regardless of the flirting and what happened last January, who did we end up with Gabriel Jesus? Would we be in this position at the top of the league if it wasn't for Gabriel Jesus coming to our club? I don't think so. Um, So there's that one. And now you look at Mudrik. Okay, is he going to be a superstar? Potentially, yes. We don't know that yet, but he looks like an incredibly talented player. We all wanted him. Not going to sugarcoat that. However, pivot immediately, sign Trossard. You don't get your midfielder you were after. You pivot, you get a guy who's played at the highest level, knows the league, won the Champions League, won you know the Euros, played at the highest level. So if we had not gotten targets that were good enough, Tom, to come in and do the job, I think there'd be a huge argument to point the finger at Adu. Um, I think I think you know when when Owen said underwhelming, I don't think it's an underwhelming window if you still bring in players who you feel like can do the job. Now, in the summer, Mm. will we be Premier League champions? We don't know. We'll definitely be in the Champions League. That's a brand new carrot for us to dangle in front of players. You know, previously, people people mistake us for a a small club when we're a big club who's just done small things in the league for years Mm. and years. And I think that you know, when you when you look at being able to dangle that carrot, we signed Aubameyang and Lacazette and Thomas Partey and Kieran Tierney dangling the Europa League carrot. Now Arsenal have much more leverage. They have much more equity in what they're able to offer other players, top players. We're talking world-class players now. So the summer will be a little bit, I'll be a little bit tougher if they don't start building for that, you know, midfield, Thomas Partey, Xhaka, heirs to the throne. Then you also have the argument is if you win the league with Partey and Jacker, you're just going to throw two new guys in? Is Arteta mm. going to, what is he going to do? That to me is the most fascinating part here. In America, you break it up and start again, right? We see, we see that in the NBA, we see that in the NFL, in the NFL especially. So I think he's going to be judged even harsher in the summer. Um, but I think how we move forward as a club with the players that we have, if they win the league, I mean, do you want it disrupted? I'll ask you guys the question. How much of a disruption disruption do you want if we end up winning the big one? That's a good question. Owen, do you want to try and tackle it? Yeah, well, <clears throat> this, is a, this is something that sort of Raj touched, touched on earlier, and it's that with the club, um, the, fa- the fan base, I think, at times have this sort of idea in their head that if we are going for a midfielder in the region of 50 to 70 million pounds, then we have to get 
a midfielder in the region of 50 to 70 million pounds even if we miss out on one it has to be another one in and around that price bracket which for me is silly because as we've mentioned numerous times it's you're better off having um a cheaper alternative as raj raj mentioned earlier Jorginho's, um the terms of that deal were absolutely phenomenal in my opinion you know 12 million people can say that that's expensive but at the end of the day that i think that's that's less than one of the add-ons <laughs> that we were trying mm-hmm. to apply to Mudrick's contract in that in that offer. So it's when you take it into account, it's that cheap, especially when someone like Cedric Suarez moving on to help cover the wages of that of that deal. But look, for for me, when you're going in, this is what I meant by these players were essentially squad players, and what I mean by that is that they're not coming in to continuously be squad players. But I think the most important thing for me here. Um, at this stage is with Thomas Partey at the age that he is and with Granit Xhaka at the age that he is as well, is that I think there has to be a phase-out stage. There has to be that, you know, next year, Champions League, it isn't like Europa League where it's, you know, play the kids on a, on a Thursday and then play the first-teamers on uh, on a Saturday-Sunday. Um, mm. It's going to be high-level competition. We're going to need heavy reinforcements and there's going to be plenty of game time for everybody. In fact, I think that that maybe something that we may struggle to adjust to. We see that a lot when teams bounce straight back into the Champions League. The squad takes some time to adjust to that. Um for for me when you're talking about like the the, the rumors or sorry the, the the targets this summer, I would love to think that we're gonna get someone like Declan Rice and Casado or whoever mm-hmm. you, names you want to throw out there. I think that the the signing of uh, Fernandez to Chelsea probably helps us in that sense uh, towards getting a bit of a more clear run towards Declan Rice, but God knows what Todd Bowley is going to do. This, You know, that guy is an absolute cowboy. Um, yeah. United, obviously, as well, if they get Champions League back, they've got a pre- prestigious name and they're seemingly more willing to dangle uh, the finances in front of players' faces to try and get them in the door. So, <clears throat> look, for me, when you look when you look back, people always think that when you get back to the Champions Leagues, it's let's go sign that Lionel Messi's and Neymar's and Mbappe's and this and that. Nobody really knew who Gabriel Magalhaes was before he signed for, for the club. Nobody really knew who William Saliba, Tommy Asu. Nobody really wanted Ben White, Sinchenko. People were calling him a city reject. For me, it's not about the names and it's not about how many goals that this, this player is banging in on a consistent basis all the time. It's that does the manager see them um, as a cog that can simply slide into this machine to help mm. it continue rolling forward? Um and that's what I want to see. I, I, I always cast my mind back to the, the days of tally text and reading the newspaper to find out your transfer gossip. People didn't sit on the edge of their sofas all day with their phone in their face looking at every single link, statistical analysis and everything. You were just happy when a player Oh, I was it. there as a baby, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tally text was great. You haven't, nice even, you haven't answered the question, though. If, if Declan Rice comes to Arsenal, he's not going to sit on the bench. If we win the league... Who's sitting on the bench, right? No, but uh, I think I sort of I sort of did answer that question, and it's that it's that number one. <laughs> no, no, but yeah. So are you benching? Are you benching? Are you benching? No, what I'm benching what I'm Thomas? Saying, are you? What I'm saying is, is that there's room for rotation with the Champions League fixtures and the Premier League fixtures, along with obviously the domestic cup competitions as well. Mm. And I think that the level of quality required throughout the squad is much higher. Sure. Like for for example, 
I don't think that we get away with Rob Holding and Mohamed Al Nani in our squad when we're competing at a Champions mm-hmm. League level anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that we do that. Um, so it's that's hard what to I mean. keep. It's hard to keep plays. I, it's the Man City model that Arteta's going after, right? We've just seen mm. Cancelo though get peed off and leave and go to Bayern Munich. So it's a very yeah. kind of. I use the Man City example because, especially with Rice, Soph, because you look at Grealish. Grealish was signed for 100 million when they had Foden and Sterling who could play on the left hand side. Sterling left a year later, of course, but Foden is, of course, still there. And it's about having those two quality players in every position. And I think the reason, the way you keep players happy to an extent, it's not going to always work out. And we are going to see players leave, perhaps surprisingly. You know, I think there are players that are in the squad that. You know, two years ago, we could never imagine leaving. I think Kieran is probably one of those players that will probably move on um, in the next year or two, maybe less. And I think that what players will join Arsenal for is the no, they'll know that they won't get as many minutes if they're starting currently where they are every week, but they'll know that they're in a team that are going to be going for the top, top accolades. And that's what will convince them to join Arsenal and to fight for their place. And Arteta as well has to learn how to effectively rotate because he's never had to do that. You know, he's, yeah. Arteta's this really only picked his me. best team. Yeah. He's only picked his best team every game he's played, basically, hasn't he? Like exactly. he's never, yeah. other than the Europa League and the cup competitions in the Premier League, he's never had to learn to rotate. He's only ever picked his best team for every Premier League game. So that is going to be something that we learn from him. And maybe we'll learn it in the second half of this season because as we talked about, we've got Trossard, we've got Jorginho and we're going to see rotation. Um, Raj, I want to ask you a, a slightly different question. Feel free to, to add on your thoughts to this as well if you want to. I know you will. Um, but I want to ask you a question that is, it's actually, it's not a criticism, but it's something I'm a little bit concerned about, about the signings that we're making. Um, ironically, it's something that we praise a lot, and it's the it's the the strategy of signing young players, right? It's a good thing to do because obviously you, you invest in youth; they have sell on value. If they don't make it, you can try and sell them on. I think Sambi Lakonga is a really good example of a problem that may start to occur at Arsenal by going down this route. Since we've signed Lakonga, we've also signed Fabio Vieira you know, a guy slightly younger than an already young Martin Odegaard. And in this window, we've signed Jakob Kivior, a slightly younger player than starter Gabriel Magalhaes. And Lukonga, and at this age, you know, your early 20s, you have to play. Like, to develop, to get better, and you need to at that age, because you're not the finished article, you've got to play. And Sambi Lukonga didn't play in the end, did not get enough chances, did in a position that really wasn't his best because of needs must at times and injuries, but didn't get the opportunities playing left eight, which is probably his best role. Fabio Vieira this season is not playing enough for a 21, 22-year-old. And I fear that Kivior won't play enough for a 22-year-old centre-back as well. Like Sophie's question there, when are we going to see the rotation? Is there an argument that that whilst we are doing what we would on the surface look at as a good thing in signing young players, what do you make of this associated risk that there is that we're investing £34 million in Vieira, £22 million in Kivior to players that could see that value drop because we can't afford to bring them into the team regularly enough? Yeah, I think the big difference with that is once you're in Champions League, you can afford to rotate a lot more in the other competitions. And kind of to what you know Owen said earlier, because Champions League, you're going to play. Let's say you play Champions League and you play a Premier League game. That's typically going to be your, top, your you know your top eleven. But now you have 
multiple other competitions you can rotate players through. And so it open it just opens up the door and a lot more opportunities for players to play. And I think that's really the key what they're building towards for next season. Because, you know, Edu and Arteta have both said, people laughed at it, that we want to compete in every competition, every tournament, right? And I think they're going to put out good teams, but they want to have teams, even with the backups, that are going to be competitive. And I think once they have that, he's going to be far more willing to do that more often, especially when you have Champions League and Premier League being you know, such high-intensity competition. So I think that really gets uh, sorted next season more than anything else for that reason. Um, to the previous topic, I think one player we missed, like, you know, Ramsdale, everyone talked poorly about him and now he's possibly in line to be the starter, right. For, mm. for the international team potentially at this rate. So it's all about fit. It's all not just about splashing cash, right. It's not FIFA ultimate team. It's all about how guys fit on a team. And I think we've seen with this coaching staff, they really understand how to get the best out of players and, and how to really get players to be cohesive on and off the pitch. And it leads to that sum greater than the parts, you know, result. And then let's not forget one guy who's actually now lead, lead one in scoring, and that's Balogun, who, who might be coming back. That's going to be a really interesting, um, a great, you know, a, a great dilemma to have. He's potentially one of the top, you know, talents currently. I mean, he'll end, he'll end development has been incredible. Also gives the club a lot more, you don't have to go and spend 50, 60, 70 on two wingers, right? Because you have Saka Martinelli, you have Enketia, you have Balogun. So you can go and spend that a lot more on high need positions. Sounds good. Yeah, I, I think I, you answered my question well, and I think the next season we'll answer that question further and I'll learn more about Arteta's capabilities in rotation and whether or not he can give the minutes to the likes of Fabio Vieira and, and Kivior, et cetera, and any other players that, of course, we bring in, and maybe even some youngsters coming through, like Charlie Patino as well, that uh, needs to be integrated. Following Balogun tonight, as we record, scored a hat-trick uh, for Rons, uh, which made him the highest goal-scoring player in Liga. Uh, you know, we're talking more than Messi, more than Mbappe right now. So what an achievement that is so far. Um, playing for a team that, you know, are, are competitive in the mid-part, but they're not PSG, are on. So, uh, and they really go again without seeing a man sent off in their games these days. So uh, it's it's a very good achievement for Balogun. And boy, has Arteta got an interesting decision to make in the summer along those lines. Um of course, uh, I, I want to move on to kind of the, the second part of the show, which we call questions for the doc. Um, I've not actually prepped either of Sophie or Owen um, at the moment. Um, so I'm kind of vamping a little bit unless I'm Sophie's usually pretty well prepared. Owen less so. So I'm going to go to <laughs> his face. I'm going to go to Sophie first because uh, I'm sure is, she has something ready. Is this the um, is this the Arsenal related question or the personal? Kind Let's of... go Arsenal first. Um, yes. OK, so I, I really wanted the doctor help answer these questions, this question about I remember when I can't remember what player we were linked to, Tom, and he, he's 28 and you were saying you were 29 and they were making you feel old. Right. Oh, and I mentioned yeah. Trossard and then I mentioned Jorginho at 31. Of yeah. course, Ronaldo's a totally different specimen, but I look at a player like um, Luka Modric, who hasn't really required pace in his game, has been so so such a wonderful player 
and continues to play. And no one would really look at him and think, oh, Modric athletic, right? But yeah, here he is still playing the game. So Doc, age and Jorginho being 31, playing a lot of minutes, of course, for club and country. When I, when I was growing up, 28 was a peak for a player, like his peak career, 28. Um, can you help me understand that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. I think one thing to even follow last three Ballon d'Or winners have been older than 33 or older, right? So, uh, you know, the age curve, the, the age curve has, we continue to kind of push it out further and further just because, you know, the sports science education, we understand what it takes to get there. And the players have those resources now don't really understand that. I think to your point about Jorginho, even his playing style, it's not one that's built on physicality. Right. It's one built on high IQ, high awareness. I, I haven't looked at his heat maps, but if, if I looked at his heat maps, I'd be guessing they're not all over the place. Right. Because he understands how to move. And so that, of course, is going to be helpful in extending that longevity for players. Um, you know, Modric is incredible. Just Modric is a guy. He, he, like, he's not known for his physicality, but he's known for his stamina. Like if you watch the Champions League last year, he was in the 118th minute still making, you know, full bursting runs. But again, test it's a testament to his commitment um, and his discipline. So, I mean, the paradigm, to me, it, it's, I don't understand this idea that it's actually the opposite of what people think. Players are getting better even older ages, right? So I think Jacques is a guy who's going to be 34, 35 and keep playing at a really, really high level because we know what his off-pitch habits are like. And we know on the pitch, he's not a guy who also relies on physicality either, right? So I think he's going to be a, a longevity player. So I think Jorginho fits into that mold as well. And then a lot of players fit into that mold. We, we just know so much more when it comes to the body, the mind, and, you know, a, appropriate training and preparation Owen yeah so just just to follow on um for the Jorginho discussion there so Doc obviously um Jorginho playing at Chelsea completely different system completely different physical demands um from that system as well we we know how much emphasis Mikel Arteta puts on physical output from his players you know high press and high energy uh hustling and bustle style of football with Jorginho, and I agree as a thirty-year-old that 30, 31 isn't <laughs> isn't isn't old yet. But if you have been training to meet a certain level of physical demands, and then suddenly come into a system that demands twice as much physical output, say for example, do you think that Mikel Arteta and the coaching staff will be putting much emphasis at this stage of the season on trying? trying to get Jorginho up to scratch or do you think that they'll just sort of take the hit and try and bend to his sort of stylistic needs? I think there'll be an adapt adaptation period, right? I mean, I think the, the physio staff, the training staff, uh, essence, the sports science staff, excuse me, really understand that you have to, you know, adapt a player to the, to those demands. And so I, th I think you'll, I think they'll know that. I think they'll also know that maybe Jorginho's type of guy. And I think, I just said his injury record really speaks to this. He's a guy, even though he might have certain demands asked of him, right? I think his fitness levels are even higher than was just asked of him because you don't get to the level that he's at with that injury history, playing international, playing deep into tournaments without having extremely, extremely high fitness level, far above 
what just the team demands of you. So I think that I think they already have an understanding of what his fitness is like. And, you know, they, you're, you're always going to have these back channeling where you try to get a feel for who that player is, right, before you kind of go in for them. So I, I, if I had a guess, they already have an understanding that his fitness levels are going to be relatively high and to be able to meet those demands that they're asking of him. But if they're not, you have to, you have to adapt the player, right? Slowly, gradually ramp them up into those demands. And, and like you said earlier, he's not a player you're depending on to start games, right? Mm-hmm. He's a guy, I think really, he's a guy, if Partey's starting to struggle physically, like, you know, 70th minute, you bring him on and you give Partey that break, which can be critical, just that those extra 20 minutes off. I think that's going to be what you're going to see far more of. If if he does start games, maybe it's Europa League games, right? Some something of that nature. So that's the key thing here. It's not a guy. That's why I, I didn't understand the outrage. He's not a guy you're asking to start games or play a bunch of minutes. So I think, and I think that goes part and parcel with physical demands being a little bit lower too. Is there? Can I just ask just one last one on the Jorginho thing? As you mentioned there. Um, about about the change in in levels of demands and stuff do you think at a player of his age would you be concerned about any potential risk of injury is there an increased risk risk of injury um during this transitional period for example it all it all depends on his previous fitness levels right like if there is if his fitness levels aren't where you want them yeah then increasing fitness and and that in that adaptation period always comes with increased injury risk right so but, you know, I, and from my understanding with how Arsenal work now, uh, especially in the January window, I would think that they already have a pretty good understanding of where his fitness levels are. And they're not concerned about that, you know, that, that differential. Hmm. Lovely stuff. Um, the odd, yeah, go on, Saf. A quickie. Hmm. If Saka's not on the pitch, does Jorginho hmm. take a penalty? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I hate his penalty style. Like it's awful. Is it worse uh, than Bruno Fernandez? Oh, nothing's worse than Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> I, I don't think I can think of anything worse than Bruno Fernandez, to be honest. But yeah, uh, I suppose he does. He's there is a reason why he takes them. He's you know he's got a decent record from the spot. Clearly, um, I'm kind of terming these questions home and away questions. I feel like the home questions are more Arsenal related when we go away. Um, we're looking more into away from Arsenal into fitness stuff. I'm going to kick off the away side, um, uh, and it'll be the last three questions before we wrap up. In terms of that, so uh, my, yeah, my question, Doc, is uh, it's a bit personal, so I'm, I'm apologising already to the listeners for getting personal about this. Um, but uh, I recently went under a small op, which is the reason why I've not been doing any runs on Strava. Uh, people will know. Unfortunately, suffered with a couple of complications as well, uh, and uh, it means I'm going to be not going to be out from running a little bit longer than I initially thought, unfortunately. Uh, my other half, and I'm sure she won't mind me revealing this, um, is the moment she's like, her mental health is like on the bottom rung because she's suffered with what she suspects is a hip stress fracture, uh, which means obviously she can't run. She loves running, she loves exercising, and she her mood is so much better when she knows she can exercise. And uh, I'm in the same position now where I can't really run right now, um, which is obviously for the both of us bringing us down in that level. From a cardio perspective and from burning calories perspective, what are kind of the best things you can do if you're unable to use your lower body and that you are reliant on your upper body to, to do as much cardio as you can? I mean, they have one of, I don't know if you've ever seen them or if you have access to like the machines where like the, the arm cycle yes. can, be, yeah, can yeah. be quite effective. I've done that. I mean, I've had 
multiple lower body surgeries. So I've had to do that kind of in, in the, in the short term. So that's one thing. I mean, even you can still do upper body lifting too, and you do it kind of more in a uh, circuit format to get your heart rate going right with, right, with less breaks and, and more reps just to get that exertion going as well. So those two things I think would be key um, in terms of once you're able to even going on, you know, on a cycle or a recumbent cycle potentially, which doesn't really put much pressure on your feet once you're cleared for that can be the next step after that too. Lovely stuff. Uh, I'll go in reverse order. Owen, have you got an away question? Not quite yet. Sophie can fire away and I'll, Sophie, I'll... You go <laughs> See, I told you what I mean. <laughs> um, do you know, do you know, I have a confession to make when Owen sent that picture in our WhatsApp group earlier at first I was like, wow, Owen's legs and he's tan. The dude looks amazing. <laughs> And, yeah, I just, uh, I just, it, I just go on the sunbeds from the waist down. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw the tattoo, and I, I didn't like click on it. I didn't see Jesus's name at the very top. So, um, okay. So my question is: I was doing so well, as you guys know. The last episode I was on, I was talking about like during games using my bands and things like that to alleviate the stress. And I went to London Dock, and everything went eaton. I lost my discipline. I lost my mind. I ate everything. I drank everything. I hadn't had, I hadn't been drinking since uh, before Christmas. And so now I'm trying to get back on the, tr on the train, but there's some personal stuff going on that is also exceptionally stressful. And when things are stressful, um, I eat, I find comfort in food. Any tips for me? Um, don't find comfort in food. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that's just a tough be one. Happier, so just that's be a, happier. You know. That's a tough one. That's honestly a tough one. It's really, it's really, really tough one um, because like that's a, that's such a habit for you, right? And, and so I would say maybe try to find uh, foods that 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 are still relatively healthy, but that you still like, right? So if you do find comfort in food, maybe maybe have it be something that's not maybe quite as I'm assuming you mean it's food that's relatively not. Yeah. I'm not a chocolate person. I'm not like a junk food person. I just eat more of what I like. Right. I just gotcha, gotcha. eat. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't yeah. really, I like a dessert though. Like I had a creme brulee last night. Oh, So good. It was, it was good. But you know, I also had, um, you know, Mexican food and I had breakfast and it's a lot of food for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm, that's such a tough one because, you know, it's an, it's an ingrained habit. So, I mean, you just have to be really intentional with that, I, I think. And, and try. it's not going to be – there's no easy fix there, right, because mm -hmm. there's that connection that you have with it. So I would say if you want to have it, try to limit your portions on it, right, if, if possible. Because sometimes, you know, if you just have – having some of it might still kind of hit the spot. But, you know, have have one burrito instead of two and, and – Maybe you're okay. <laughs> Have one in and out burger instead of two. You're right. You're yeah. right. So. Oh, exactly. It's, it's the small changes, man. That's it. Yeah. Go for a normal size chocolate bar, not a sure size one. That's what I've yeah. been doing. Yeah, I'll keep having like a boost duo. I just need a normal boost. Like, you know, yeah. the, the duos are just doing me in. I think, you know, from my perspective, I'm really bad at snacking. Like, snacking's terrible. And I've told Georgia, just like, stop buying, just stop buying it, get out of the house. Like, and she's like, well, yeah. I need like mine in between me. And I was like, oh, well, take them and keep them at work. Don't have them here. Because if they're here, I work from home. I'll eat them. 
Like it's Self-control I, I have no willpower and none. <laughs> and one of the other things is like, if you're struggling because like, you're feeling like hungry is that I try and drink as much water because water is just so filling as well. So the more water you drink as well, I think it, it helps with kind of staving off hunger cravings, if you like. And water's great for you. Ah, so there you go. Right. Owen, have you got a, an away question to finish off the show? Of course I do. Of course I do. And this doesn't apply to me. I'm balling, by the way. Okay, just to let everybody know that. <laughs> but <clears throat> no, no, no. On a serious note, um, Doc, obviously, I think probably probably globally um, at this moment in time, I think there's a lot of people struggling financially. Obviously, we've got, you know, the, the energy costs are through the roof, the fuel cost, literally the cost of living is absolutely sky high and people are struggling. And one thing that I've noticed um, going through diets and stuff like that is that it's actually surprisingly expensive at times uh, to maintain a fresh, healthy diet to a certain extent. You know, it's much more cheaper to go and buy a packet of two pizzas for £1.50 from the frozen aisle in, in one of these mega stores and stuff like that. But if you were somebody... Midway kebabs, two pizzas for a fiver, it's bloody good. <laughs> yeah, man, it's wild. It's a problem. But if you were somebody, say, for example, um, on an extremely low income that was trying to get into fitness and was put off by the high prices of all these kinds of things, what are the types of meals that you would be going for um, to try and sort of combat that cost? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first thing is, you know, when it comes to buying nutritious food, you don't have to go to the complete opposite end, you know, completely organic, whatever it is, right? Even being a little bit more healthy is is an incremental step, right? So instead of, you know, having, the, you know, the fried chicken, you can maybe go buy something that's not fried instead, right? So those incremental steps in that regard are the key. Because so often I'll see people, you know, they want to go fully organic, all natural. That's ex- like, that's exorbitantly expensive, like all natural range chicken, whatever that means. But it's like, you know, $22, right, for one drug. Because can actually whatever. fly. That's what they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just trying to find, I mean, it, the improvement is always relative. So I always try to say, right, even if it's, you know, if it's if there's a small margin there and it's still relatively more healthy, you have to start there. You have to start somewhere because once you see even incremental change in health is still a positive change in health. And I think you have to be comfortable with that. And then a lot of it comes back to, you know, expectations, almost like, you know, the Arsenal transfer window. It's like, uh, you know, your expectation just has to be incremental, not just, you know, pie in the sky. Hey, we're into everyone we want. Right. And so. I think you have to be comfortable with that process and establish that on the front end rather than just going like you talked about for, you know, fully helpful, all full produce. Just, you know, ideally we would all love that. And there's no financial uh, constraint, but this is not the reality. So just look for something a little bit healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like from, from my perspective, I kind of go back to uni days for stuff like that when, you know, I lived on a budget, um, and trying to lose weight less i've got some friends of mine that you know because as you say the cost of living crisis is mad at the moment and uh, yeah i've got people close to me that are struggling and you know you that are also trying to be healthy and lose weight and you get kind of this obsession with following like fitness bloggers and physiotherapists those damn physiotherapists um <laughs> like on instagram and stuff where like they're perfect meals that look great and in reality if you were to have one of those meals a day whilst it'd be great for you the cost is, as you say, Matt, I, I think you you need to make bulk meals. You know, you, utilize your freezer. We always got a freezer. You know, 
build like do a a massive pasta dish not you know make it whole uh, wholemeal pasta brown pasta instead rather than the the white stuff so i think that's you know as doc says those incremental changes to meals just sub out things for healthier versions buy it in bulk freeze it store it and uh and yeah come back to it because you can <laughs> get really and good. sometimes you'll be surprised when you do that it's cheaper than mm. like if you order a regular pizza warm nowadays you get two pizzas it's like and and whatever it's 50 bucks you know yeah yeah so and you know i think also like you say pizza like some people miss i think some people have misrepresentations of what bad food is like it's always important to check like the the stuff on the back of the box because things that sometimes you think are bad are actually as bad as you think um so sorry so i i i always no i make a big the, oh. Oh, oh, sorry. What I was just going to say is no, no, no. Uh, the, the thing that gives me hope is I'm not sure any of us remember this viral trend years ago, but the the <laughs> rice and fish, the rice, no, the rice and fish cakes, dude. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen him recently? Hold on. Okay. Is it fish and a rice cake? He's not rice and a fish cake. Yeah. <laughs> is it? He, is he fish huge? Cake? Good. Fish oh, rice. Man, He's, He's now like a big bodybuilder. Yeah. 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 That gives me hope. Yeah. Like today, I'm going to make yeah, yeah. a big bowl. I'm going to make a bowl of cauliflower rice, and I've got courgettes oh. and um, zucchini. Sorry, uh, courgettes and eggplant, yeah. and I've got a little chicken in the Over freezer. Going to defrost that, chop it up, put it in a massive rice bowl. Have enough for tonight and lunch tomorrow and dinner tomorrow night. There that's, you go. That's my thing. Cook in bulk. Cook in bulk. It works. And one last thing. I mean, one thing. This is just general kind of budgeting, like. I would write down what you're spending money on and then actually look at it. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I just start, if you're going in, I'll mention Starbucks again, cause I always have to once per, you know, once per. All the coffee houses are available. Well, like, <laughs> I, you know, a Starbucks is like four fifty. So if you're going there every, you know, every two days, mm-hmm. you know, actually write down what you're, what, is, you know, what you're spending. Scary. I remember when, yeah. when we were, when we were going for our, our mortgage, um, as, as I mentioned, we were sat down with our mortgage advisor and our financial advisor and structured out all of our outgoings and um, the money that we were left over with every month, I was blown away by. And when I worked out how much I was spent at lunch and work, and it's just shocking the amount of money you spend on absolute nonsense. Yeah, yeah. I, as I say to people, if you can do one month of writing down all the things you bought, you can go back and work out what you're overspending on so easily. Working from home, buying like getting like an Uber Eats was mm-hmm. such a dangerous thing for me. <laughs> go on, Raj. Yeah, I'm saying, you know, maybe you don't need every streaming service known to man, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have like, I, I, I honestly, my subscriptions are a joke. Like, they're <laughs> actually a joke. And I, I've tried to get rid of so many, but like, I've like like three. I've like Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon. I don't need all three, <laughs> but it's like I like the Apple Music because I have an iPhone. But I prefer Spotify, and I need I need Amazon Music for my Alexa. Like it's a joke how I use all of these things, and they all do the same thing. Anyway, we are going to wrap things up there on that silly admission of mine. I'm going to get so much hate in the comments for that. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed, of course, uh, and welcome back, Sophie and uh, and Owen from from uh, your travels in the UK of course I hope you enjoyed our Q&A with the doc last week as well um, we are going to try and do more uh, Q&A stuff as much as we can in the future so if you have questions uh, that you got off the base off the back of sorry this show then do leave them down below and we'll try and tackle them Sophie thank you so much for your time as I say at the start it was an absolute pleasure to see you as always and I look forward to seeing you in a few months hopefully fingers crossed tell people where they can find you 
uh, at Highbury Squad. Give us a listen. Did a great show with Toffee TV on Monday in Super Kev ahead of the Everton game. Stay safe, everyone. And thanks again, Tom, for having me. Beautiful. Owen, always a pleasure. And likewise, it was great to to see you and share uh, some duck with you uh, the other day. <laughs> it, was, it, it was a deceased duck. Yeah, it wasn't like a there. mallard we just picked up off. The... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was uh, it was great to finally attend Canton's Chinese. It's a great fam- family establishment you have there. But Ooh. no, it was uh, it was a pleasure, buddy. I can't wait to get back over. Indeed. No, I look forward to seeing you soon again. And uh, and although he wasn't there, uh, we certainly celebrated him in spirit. Uh, Raj, uh, it's been a pleasure to, to, to join you, of course, as always. Tell people where they can find you, my friend. You can find me at uh, 3CB Performance on uh, pretty much all social media channels. And let's go beat Everton. Absolutely. Uh, I should say you can find Owen as well uh, at Owen Young AFC and on the Gooners pods, of course, too, semi-regularly. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Appreciate your time. Subscribe if you're new. Drop a like on the video. You can find us on uh, socials at the Gooners Talk TV, myself at Tom Canton Media. And we will see you next week for the next episode. Have a fantastic week. Stay healthy, stay safe. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.